0: Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor in play betting. Watch the action, predict the action, and make your best bet with the latest odds on over 1,000 daily events. 18 plus, BeGambleAware.org. NFL
1: Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away.
0: My name's Ant, so I'm hosting today, and I'm joined with a man with a funky pink headphones. That's me, Chris. And who else am I joining with? I'm Dan.
2: Okay, how are you all doing? Uh, not too bad, thank you, mate. Just watched the FA Cup final. Didn't the, the right team won? Yeah, on the day,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah i probably agree with that.
2: Yeah. I think that's the first time Louise won a FA Cup final. As
0: well, yeah. First so time Giroud's been on the losing side, I think. As well,
2: do
1: wow. <laughs> you think the
0: keeper should have been sent off? I wouldn't have sent him off, even
1: if um, it was given. I think it would have been harsh to send him off for that. You're talking fractions, aren't you? Well,
2: what about the sending off?
1: Do you <laughs> think never a second yellow was it?
0: It's a joke. No, no, that, that, no. that was classical.
2: yeah. Sort of changed the game a little bit, didn't it? There
0: was something I wanted to ask you guys, though. is How difficult do you think it is to lift the FA Cup trophy?
1: <laughs> well, you just take the bottom
0: off it. <laughs> I mean, it's not difficult, is it? I've, d- I've done it on the Wembley Tour. It's really not difficult. <laughs> I think he needs uh, to give uh, Jordan Henderson a ring on how to lift trophies. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> ooh. Right, what have we got, then, then? We- So today I thought we'd do a quick round-up of the uh, Premiership, Uh, and then we're going to do top five one-season wonders in the Premiership, followed by Warnock Watch and some socials from Chris, and then after that we've got the top ten surprising transfers, followed by my good, the bad, the obscure, and then I'm going to test your grey matter with a difficult quiz. So now that the dust has settled on the Premiership, who, who do you think are the winners and losers then this season? Yeah, obviously Liverpool, massive winners.
2: Villa are massive winners because they stayed up. Burnley have done very well this year. I think they came ninth. And uh, obviously Sheffield United, your favourite second team, man, <laughs> uh, have done incredibly well to finish eighth. Uh, losers, obviously Norwich, Bournemouth and massively Watford for sacking their manager two games before the end and
1: I think they got the full just desserts for doing something
2: so stupid
0: exactly
1: what about you then Dan? Obviously Liverpool massive winners I still think Man City had a good season they won a trophy they look like they're going to compete with everything next year they could still win the Champions League this year so they could yet be winners Uh, Leicester they qualified for Europe which was their target Sheffield United had a fantastic season Uh, Biggest losers, Bournemouth, obviously. That defence has uh, let them down finally. Uh, Watford, like you say, sacking the manager. Just crazy. And then I'd also stick Everton on that list.
0: Yeah. They've got problems there. I think they've they've had some very questionable transfers as well. I mean, 40 million for OOB. I've not even seen him all season. He's not played for.
1: I'd also stick Aston Villa on the list for losers. I mean, I know they survived and you put them on your list for winners, which I'm sure they'll be happy about it, but it's £150 million they've spent on that squad. That's a lot oh, of money for a team that's very poor in terms of Premier League standards with no strikers, really. Oh,
2: I'll be honest, Sam, the only reason i put them as winners is because they stayed up. That was yeah. the only reason why. Um, I, I, like I've said to you before, I still think they're probably the worst team ever to stay up, if, you, if that <laughs> makes sense.
1: They sacked their recruitment consultant this week, which says it all,
0: really, doesn't it? Yeah, it's not surprising, is it? <laughs> no, not at all. You don't feel a bit disappointed at Leicester, Dan? No. I know, I know you were overachieving, I suppose, in a way, but to be so far ahead and then, you know, you were classing the title race at Christmas and then you finished <laughs> fifth. Yeah, but then um, Vardy got injured
1: for a bit and then Pereira's out. Madison's out Soyuncu's suspended for three games at the end It it all just caught up with us And in the end I think we're finishing fifth That's probably where we're at as a club And we'll just hopefully keep hold of our best players And build on it
0: I think Manchester United finishing third Is perhaps a bit of an overachievement on their part Because they've been awful for half the season And then they got Bruno Fernandes In who perhaps papered over some of the cracks
2: Yeah I think there's still a lot of work
0: For them to do so any any players stood out for you this season that should get mentioned?
2: I like Nick Pope. I've always been a fan of him. I know he's, he's like Dan's best uh, player. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do think he's, he's done great this year. I think he came second in the Golden Glove competition as well. Just fell behind Edison. I think he deserves a shout out, to be honest. Personally, Trent, Trent Alexander, Arnold, and uh, Robertson. And probably Mr. Jordan Henderson as well.
0: Yeah. I think Danny Ingers deserves a mention. I think he's been phenomenal for Southampton.
2: Yeah.
0: I think to come within a whisk of the golden boot or club, no disrespect to Southampton, that have been skirting around mid-table all season. It's a fantastic achievement.
1: And the Wolves duo as well. Torre and uh, Jimenez as well. Yeah. Uh, and of course, Kevin De Bruyne. Another fantastic
0: season. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's a be expected of De Bruyne, that. <laughs> True. Right then, let's crack on with the uh, top five onesies and wonders then. Dan, let's have your number five.
1: Okay, now this one might be a little bit controversial and a bit sad as well. My number five pick-up one for Dean Ashton. So uh, he obviously broke through at crew, scored 61 goals in 158 games in the, the lower leagues. And then with Norwich, he moved to the Premier League. And well, he had a good spell there, it was only for half a season in the Premier League. He couldn't uh, help them avoid the drop. And the next season, he signed for West Ham. So he had a good season with West Ham. And after that £7 million move, he actually got an England call-up in 2006, but then suffered a broken ankle in training he missed the entire 2006-2007 season. He came back in 2007-2008 and he scored 10 goals in 31 games for West Ham. That was really his breakout season, in my view. It's really showing that he could play at the highest level. Uh, He got an England cap at the end of that season, 2008, against Trinidad and Tobago. It was being linked with moves to Portsmouth, Newcastle, Man United. Uh, But instead he signed a five-year deal with West Ham. And then, in the following season, he only played four games until he sprained his ankle in training in, in Zola's first training session in December that year. He announced his
0: retirement. I used to know a lot of West Ham fans, and they absolutely thought the sun shone out of his backside. How good he was! <laughs> uh, it's a shame they injury forced him to retire so early. Yeah, yeah
1: totally agree with
0: that. Go on then, Christopher.
2: Rightio, I've gone for a couple of wild cards for this one, oh, so <laughs> I'll find my first one. Shabani Nonda. Can you can you remember him? Blackburn, 2006 six seven season.
0: Vaguely rings a bell, yeah. He
2: wasn't bought by Blackburn, he was on loan from Monaco. He made 26 appearances, scored seven goals, however... Nine of the twenty-six were sub-appearances, so he actually only started seventeen games. He's um he scored two goals in the in one game twice. He then went to Roma, I think, after that that season, so that's why Blackburn never signed him up on a permanent deal.
0: Fair enough. Making my list look a bit boring. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I was going to say, that's a name we never probably ever mention on this podcast again. So remember it, Shivani Nanda,
0: yeah? I remember that when you do a quiz in a few weeks' time. (laughs) My number five, I went with Michael Bridges. So I I was a bit reluctant to put him on because he did have a lot of injuries. Um, But he was 21 when he fired Leeds to Champions League qualification and he scored 19 league goals. And the only people that scored more that season were Kevin Phillips, Shearer, and Dwight York. He didn't score again after that for Leeds, um, and then he went on stints with Newcastle, Bolton, Sunderland. He ended up everywhere basically. He ended up in Australia, and yeah, he's he's never got anywhere near those nineteen goals. So that's why I put him on my list. That's fair. I think he does quite a lot of amb- ambassador stuff for
2: Sunderland as well. So.
0: Yeah, it was his first club, I think, Sunderland. Yeah. Dan, let's have your number four then.
1: All right, my number four, I've gone for Janaga Fjortoft. So he played for Swindon in the uh, 93-94 season. They were rock bottom. They didn't get a win in the first 16 games. And Fjortoft didn't actually score before Christmas. But then he managed to get 13 goals in his last 17 games. And I think people still remember his uh, performances. Even though Swindon got relegated in the end. But then, when he moved back to Middlesbrough in the Premier League, he never really recaptured that goal scoring form. So, for me, a bit of a one-season wonder at that level.
0: Yeah, I always vaguely remember him as a decent striker for Swindon.
2: Yeah, scored some important goals, I think, for them. Chris? OK, my second mile card Royston Drentra. Oh, yeah, Everton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they're another Star, I'm afraid. This was the 2011-12 se- season, uh, left winger. Again, um, his stats aren't quite great, but again, he came off the bench hell of a lot. So his appearances were 22, goals three, assists five. But 11 of those were substitute appearances. He then um, has gone, gone around the houses a little bit since... He did play in the Championship for Reading in Sheffield Wednesday. However, now he's currently with Aachen Boys, which is a Division Three club in the Dutch League. Um, Just as a bit of a side note, he has released um, a rap single called Tack Tacky. And he's also opened a clothes store in Rotterdam as well. So I do sort of have a little bit of question marks whether he's taken his football career quite (laughs) seriously as some other people have. I think he. I think he's a very talented play, player. Whenever I've seen highlights of him, when I was doing my research, he looks a very pacey player that had the skills. But I think it's just,
0: um, like I say, having the motivation
2: to football before everything else was might, might have been a little bit of his
0: undoing. I, I remember everyone everyone thought they'd got a, a proper coup assigning signing him. Yeah. I remember watching him a few times the match of the day, thinking this guy's actually quite decent. How, how have Everton got this Glad. He's actually got.
2: He actually had a couple of um, Holland caps, but again, I think at those unfortunate during those times, I think Holland were calling up everyone possible. I think he did very well at Everton, and then obviously, unfortunately, he went then back to Real Madrid after that
0: season. But yeah, he's my number four. So my number four is a name you're probably familiar with. Is Amir Zaki, Wigan.
2: Yes, yeah. Yep. Egyptian striker.
0: I mean, to say he's a one-season wonder is perhaps flattering him slightly, because he's more of a half-season wonder.
1: But
0: <laughs> he came to Wigan and Dave Whelan bigged him up massively, so like comparing him to Alan Shearer. You know what Dave Whelan can be like. And he scored 11 goals for Wigan for the end of 2008, twice against Liverpool. And then he didn't score any the year after. And then he went to Hull on loan, didn't score anymore. And then he ended up and returned to the Middle East and played in Turkey, Kuwait, Morocco, Lebanon. But I just remember when he, that that first half season for Wigan, he was absolutely electric. He was banging old left, front, centre. And then that was it.
2: No, that's another good one.
0: I don't get with some of these strikers, though, they can suddenly just stop scoring.
2: It's all about confidence, by the sounds of things. Yeah. Right, we're going to yeah. see probably with our number three, two, and one. I'm sure that we've got the same one for that. Oh,
1: you, know you know, next? don't be so sure. Come on, then, Dan, surprise us with your number three. I don't think this one will surprise you. This is a uh, Rocky Santa Cruz.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Item yeah. number two. Yeah. So he, um, he started off at Bayern Munich, and he had a. Modest goal-scoring record. But when he came to Blackburn in 2007, he scored 19 goals in 37 games. Uh, He had another season at Blackburn where he got just four goals in 20 games. And then Man City, despite that uh, poor season, they spent £17.5 million on him. Which was a lot of money back then. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. But this was just after the Abu Dhabi takeover, so they were splashing the cash around. And then uh, it looks like they didn't get really good value on this one. Three goals in 19 games. In the two thousand nine ten season. The other thing I was going to add out is that I was a little, a little bit reluctant to put him on the list because he did score some more goals in La Liga after he left the Premier League. He did get um, 24 goals in 107 games for Betis and Malaga. And back in Paraguay, he hit goal-scoring form in the last couple of seasons.
0: He did get nominated as Paraguayan Football of the Year in 2019. I don't know how yeah. stiff the competition was in Paraguay yeah. at the time, but... <laughs> Is he coming on to about 40 now as well? He must yeah, be in, in 2019.
2: Fair play to him. He's obviously had a second wind.
0: <laughs> Come on, Chris.
2: Yeah, mine's Michael Johnson, the defensive midfielder from Man City, if you remember him.
0: Okay, yeah.
2: Van actually described him as the most complete young player he'd ever seen in 2007. 23 appearances three goals he was actually in the periphery of um, being called up for England I think as well unfortunately due to sort of serious injuries depression and two drink driving related incidences he was released in 2012 he then had again a short stint at Leicester which was very short because um, there were then numerous pictures of him looking over weight and drinking um, so his unfortunate reunion was set with Sven was uh then ended i'm afraid where he was released he then actually retired from football in um i think it was in 2012 so i'll put him as my number three
0: it's a great pick that chris thank you yeah i didn't actually think of him um so my number three is Mikael Forsell. So the reason he's on my list is obviously he went on loan to um, Birmingham and he scored 17 goals that season and Birmingham finished 10th and he was fifth in the race for the golden boot. Um, He then went back to Chelsea and didn't really do anything. Um, And then went back to Birmingham again, but couldn't quite get back to the levels that he was at previously. And half of his actual career goal tally is those 17 goals that he scored in that one season. Wow. Which is why I put him at number three. <laughs> Fair enough, <man. laughs> It's
2: incredible. That's a great start, that is, mate, to be honest.
0: Yeah, so I think the other 17 he scored was something over, like, 96 appearances. So, yeah, he 17 and 32 and then 17 and 96. Uh, he is now retired. All right. Surprise us with your number two, Dan. Well, this won't be a
1: surprise, but I actually went for Michael Bridges.
0: OK. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> right.
1: So, yeah, just completely agree with everything you said earlier. <laughs> 19 Premier League goals in his first season, and then he well and truly became a journeyman striker following all those injuries. It's a real shame because uh, Lee spent £5 million on bringing him in to replace Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. And after that first season, they thought they'd struck gold, didn't they? but then it was against the um, Besiktas in the Champions League group stage game that he got injured and he never recovered from that. Chris
2: Yeah, mine's uh, Michael Ricketts. Okay, yeah. Um, I considered him basically on his Bolton antics in 2001 and 2. 37 appearances, um, 13 league goals. However, in all competitions that season, he did 15 goals by February. He actually came on for 11 games on that, se- on that season as well. So he wasn't automatic starter, which I found was quite an interesting stat. Um, then, obviously, he got that England call-up, didn't he? And played 45 minutes against Holland and scored a bit of a flying volley, wasn't it?
0: Something like that, Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, and that ended up being his only cap, wasn't it? 45 minutes. scores it wasn't and Enders and Gatties again. But he then moved to Middlesbrough um, and he saw three goals the following season. And like we said about the other Michael, Jim Bridges, that he then just sort of slowly dwindled down the leagues. And that's why he's
0: my number two. Fair enough. Uh, I had Santa Cruz at number two, so... Mm. I'll be amazed if we've haven't all got the same number one. But go on, Dan. All right. Well, my number one is Danny Drinkwater. Okay, we have got a different number one.
1: <laughs> I actually, he was actually going to be
2: my special mention, but uh,
1: yeah. Okay, go for it, mate. Okay, so it's Leicester's first season in the Premier League, two thousand fourteen, two thousand fifteen. Drinkwater was largely on the bench. Uh, Leicester had Cambiasso in midfield with Matty James. Uh, then Matty James got a serious injury, Cambiasso left the club and Ranieri came in as manager. So we completely restructured the midfield and we had Danny Drinkwater starting alongside N'Golo Kante. That was the season Leicester, absolutely amazing, won the league. Drinkwater, he was called up for England and got three caps. His work rate box to box and his uh, passing from deep line positions really uh Got him a lot of praise. It was a travesty he wasn't selected for the final squad for Euro 2016, in my opinion. So at the time, he was playing fantastically well. Uh, At the end of that season, Kante left the club and Leicester had to restructure the midfield again. And they struggled massively with this. And Drinkwater, he just couldn't recapture his form in this uh, new team. By, uh, I think, February the next year, Ranieri was sacked. Leicester in the relegation zone. And drink water at the end of the season, transferred to Chelsea. He got his big move. I mean, he never really broke through at Chelsea. Since then, he's been loaned out to Burnley, Aston Villa. There has been reports of him getting invites at nightclubs. But yeah, he had one breakout season. And apart from that, it's just an epic fall from grace.
2: Totally,
1: totally
0: agree. Fair enough. Yeah, I, didn't, I actually didn't even consider him.
2: I remember his debut for Villa, I Thing was it this season, and he cost him about two goals in the first half. I think he was kindly substituted on about 50 minutes just to save embarrassment for Dean Smith.
1: Just not got his head in the game anymore, has he? No, no, no. That's still a pick there.
0: No, the lads won a Premier League. You know, he probably doesn't doesn't do anything anymore, does he? I think Chelsea
1: paid a lot of money for him, though.
0: <laughs> yeah, they did. They did pay a lot yeah. of money for but... him. <laughs> Come on then, Chris, see if you've got the same as me.
2: For... Ryan, I have got...
1: Do
2: you want to go first, Dan? Just for the name. I'm sure? To... Yeah, no. sure? Okay, I'm going with Michi.
0: Yeah, that's who I've got.
2: Yeah, oh, you see, me and you are great thinkers. We might as well do this in unison then. Um, <laughs> so, obviously, two million pound move from
0: Rao uh, Val- Valachanko. Valachanko.
2: Valachanko, sorry about pronunciation.
0: No one like That's why people like our podcast, because your pronunciations.
2: I know, yeah, exactly. That's what I thought. Keep them going. (laughs) Um, So, obviously, he was only literally here for one season, wasn't he? And he absolutely smashed it, to be honest, didn't he? 18 knee knee goals. And then I think he fell out of favour, I think, as a change of manager. Um, I got there and he got loaned out to Napoli. He did have a lot of ankle issues and injuries. Did work out at Napoli at all. Then he moved to, I think it was a um, third division Spanish team, Langrio. Um, and that's where his um, brother was head coach. Yeah, he to play there. And then he's just retired. It's just a, a real sort of snatch and grab one season, and there you go. <laughs> it's a quality it's crazy, soccer. Yeah.
0: I remember at the end of the season, was it Man City or someone came in with like some twenty million bid, and Swansea were like, "No, you're right, we'll keep him." And then about a couple of months into the second season, they're like, "We're well, we going to loan him out to Napoli because he stopped scoring." You must think Swansea must be kicking themselves they didn't accept that twenty million.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think Laudrup brought him in, and I think he got sacked. But it's just amazing how wrong it went for him though obviously didn't work out in Napoli and then he just he just then obviously went down the leagues in Spain to play there I think he's got shares with Real Oviedo as well with a couple of other um, players as well and he's now working for them in some sort of consultancy races because he still wanted to stay in football
0: he got a few Spanish caps out of it as well didn't he
2: yeah I think he got three was it three or was About it that yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, he just literally came came in, scored a great amount of goals, and then left just as quickly as he came in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he won Swansea a trophy. You know, they can't do much. Exactly. All right. Any special mentions? Mine was drinking water. To be honest. Mine was wickets. So.
1: No, just that it was an oversight on my part that me too didn't make my list.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were a bit quiet. <laughs> Chris, do you want to update us on Mister Neil Warnock? Um, yeah, well, he's obviously been a bit bit
2: quiet now that the championships finished. He's he's kept burrowed. Um, he's now. He has got a job though. He has got a job, so we've got another year of this. So at least, uh, well, hopefully if he doesn't get sacked, but no one ever sacks Big Neil, do they? You know, that's just madness. So I've only got really one new quote, and this is from Steve Gibson, said about Neil Warnock. He goes, he's always busy. He was going down to Cornwall for a week and said that he would switch off his his mobile phone. I wish he does, because he calls me every 10 minutes. (laughs)
0: <laughs>
2: I'm just keeping this very brief, though, the, to this this week's one because that's it, really the only one that I found that was of any sort of any funny quotes, to be fair. All the rest was a bit too serious for my liking about him obviously getting the job full-time. So what I've done is I've looked into some famous Rournock quotes, so I thought I'd just give you a couple just to finish off the segment nice and easily. Um, okay, so the first one was... I used the Olympics in my team talk. When I went to bed, Kelly Holmes turned me on, which is sad for me, isn't it? But when I watched Kelly and the relay lads, the ambition was to aim for the top. Now I think I have a group of lads who should look at themselves and aim for the top. Now, the second one. The two managers I really dislike are Sam Tarnett and Gary Megson. The old saying that I wouldn't piss if they're on fire would apply. (laughs) Finally... I don't think there's anyone else who can touch me at this level, the championship. My record is as good as anyone's. I think he's about right with that last one, to be honest.
0: Yeah, it probably is, to be fair.
2: If you've got any further questions, then please email us at var at the bar2020 at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter, var at the bar1, or Facebook us on var at the bar.
0: 10 surprising transfers ever so for, for any reason as i said it could have been because of rival club or big money or little big club to little club or whatever so uh, i'm gonna start with chris let's have you number 10
2: right yeah. you you don't make things easy for us here and um, do you it's a big vast array of transfers well, I mean, otherwise,
0: if i made it too niche we'd all have the same list true that true that <laughs>
2: Right, and I've given this a good go. So I've gone with Robert Leganovsky, him joining um, buy in from uh, Borussia Dortmund. Obviously, it's quite shocking because um, Dortmund won the league twice with him. And he made this decision very early um, on the last year not to negotiate the contract. Um, during that time Klopp at the time signed uh, Banyamang and um, Hendrik to replace him and obviously to let somebody of that sort of quality go on a free transfer I thought especially to your type of rivals was a real number one thing kicking the teeth to the club and fans I mean this guy since has just been I think the most consistent striker in the world he's he's hit five consecutive seasons 40 goals he enjoys Messi and Ronaldo on that list, but I just think everyone talks too much about Messi and Ronaldo, and not enough of this guy. I would love to see him if he would ever play in the Premier League, but I doubt that that will happen now, I'm afraid. But I think with Bayern being such a good team now, I don't think I could see him moving particularly to anyone now. Um, and I mean, his stats alone at
0: Bayern are just incredible. That's why he's
2: at my number 10.
0: Fair enough. I mean yeah, he's a fantastic player and like I said, it's odd that they let him let his contract run down So he left on the free to to the to the biggest rivals. But it happens time and time again. as I'm well, sure we'll see this list. Yeah,
2: he yeah, took the words out of my mouth and there's a couple then we went on with I've I've got I think it's in the cases, so no doubt we'll discuss that more.
1: Dan? Well, first off, I just want to say that I really uh, I f- found about 30 transfers that are probably noteworthy for this list. So, I think
0: we all did, to be fair.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I've, I've just picked 10, which um, mix it up a little bit. My number 10 pick is Robert Jani. Ooh, Croatian yeah. defender? Yeah, you won 87 caps for Yugoslavia and Croatia. He played for Juventus, Real Betis, and then in the summer of 1998... Coventry City bought him for 2.6 million. And what was odd about this is that during that summer, he then transferred again straight away to Real Madrid for 3.4 million. He never played a game for Coventry. So it was a bit fishy that there seemed to be in this for financial gain, or so it seemed. Uh, but there's also a theory that um, Real Betis, who Coventry bought it from, they didn't want to sell him to a La Liga rival. And that's why Coventry payment was the conduit. It's just a strange transfer this year.
2: That's brilliant if that is true, isn't it? That commentary have been used in this in this racket of getting a player in, back sure in the league.
0: Again. I'm sure there's been other examples of that over the years.
2: Yeah, I think that has. So it's brilliant that I've totally forgot about that guy. I mean, you can't easily forget about him because he never played in the Premier League. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he was my uh, go-to guy on Champ Manager back in ninety-seven, ninety-eight. <laughs> I know who he is. <laughs> I didn't actually realise that he uh, assigned for Coventry, but didn't sign for Coventry. <laughs> yeah. Sticking with Coventry for my number 10, I put this in purely because it was the only one, it was the one that came to my head straight away. I've gone for Gary McAllister, Coventry to Liverpool.
2: I've got him there as well, mate. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it was a very, at the time, a very odd move. I remember Juliet had this. Exciting young Liverpool team, and he brought in Gary McAllister. I remember thinking, "Why have we signed this aging thirty-five-year-old Scotsman?" But what a signing it was! Two seasons he was at Liverpool, and one of them was the the treble year. And some of the goals and some of the important goals he scored was phenomenal.
2: Yeah, he he actually was involved in four of the five goals in the UEFA Cup final against Alaves. Incredible sad that is.
0: That free um, kick against Everton he scored in the league as yeah, well.
2: Over 40 yards away that was. They said he tricked the keeper, by the way, of his his stance because expect- the keeper was expecting him to whip it into the box and the keeper was off- offline at the time. The- did you know that um, the cop chanted on his last game in tongue and cheek, yeah. what a waste of money? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which I thought was a nice gesture. Um, um, he, was, he was a brilliant signing. Dan, number nine? Number nine, I've gone for David Unsworth.
1: Okay. So what happened is um, he signed for Aston Villa from West Ham for £3 million. And then a month later, still during the pre-season, he requested a transfer and was transferred to Everton from Aston Villa for £3 million. The reason given is that his family couldn't settle in Birmingham.
2: Was this the one where his wife didn't know where... Um, (laughs) Birmingham
1: was on the map, allegedly. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I can understand players not stepping in abroad in a a new culture where they don't know the language, but to use that as an
0: excuse for not being
1: able to settle in Birmingham—I know it's a strong
0: accent—but come (laughs) on. There um, was—I didn't add it to my list, but you've reminded me of a similar one when Dietmar Hamann left uh, Liverpool, and I think Bolton signed him, and he said that he drove to Bolton got within the city limits decided he didn't really like Bolton so he signed for Manchester City instead
2: (laughs) you found a couple of great starts there Dan hopefully the next ones will uh, keep up the high quality
1: well I had a lot to pick from so hopefully Mm. (laughs) there's
0: a theme with Dan's so far so far go on then Chris
2: Uh, my number nine was actually um, Gary McAllister
0: okay um, yeah. Nine number nine I've gone with Dale Jennings
2: Oh yes,
0: Trammere striker to- So he, he lit up League one uh, Broke into the trammere team in 2010-2011 As this tricky little winger And then uh, Bayern Munich came in for him At the age of 18 And they they persuaded Speaking of De Haman, they persuaded him To go to his house and persuade him to join Bayern Munich so, yeah, Jennings went out to uh, Bayern and got injured. And he just said after that, he just knew he wasn't ever really going to play for them. So it, uh, after, I think it was a year, he came back. And he, ever since, he's just been another journeyman, at Barnsley, MK. Um, he's now with Runcorn. At least he's like close to Tranmere, though, where he used to play for us. So. Bit of a come-down, I think, Bayern, isn't he? <laughs> So back to Dan. Okay, uh, number eight. I've gone for Julian Fobert. I have him at number four. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you do the talking on it. Okay. So, yeah, it was in
1: 2009. He was a West Ham player. Not particularly lit up the Premier League at this stage of his career. Uh, but then we got to deadline day. And it was announced by Jeff Sterling on Sky Sports that West Ham had released Julian Fobert on loan to Real Madrid I remember it I remember this happening I
0: remember watching Soccer Saturday
1: and then a stunned Paul Merson said his agent should be knighted
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think Merson only fell off his chair that day
1: yeah nobody saw that move coming
0: (laughs) it was a very odd odd transfer but Madrid had done those over the years have not they right
1: then is it my number eight then Uh, I think so to a number eight Chris OK, well, I'm
2: going with um, Robin Van Persie. He's moved to Man United from Arsenal.
1: After that number seven. Oh, OK. I didn't even consider him.
2: Well, I was, I'm saying this because this is when I think Wenger was starting to lose his grip because he let his best player sink down to one year left on the contract before starting new negotiations. And obviously, I think that upset Van Persie that he wasn't straight away pushed for, you know, a, another long-term contract. I just find the whole thing quite amusing, really. I mean, he was obviously Fergie then went for him, bought for £24 million as well. I mean, that's still a pretty good coup, I think. And that season, he sort of lit up the competition a bit. And he scored 30 goals in 48 appearances. Fantastic record and um, 26 Premier League goals that season as well, which helped my new to, to the title. It was quite funny because I did a bit of research on this and uh, Fergie was the main reason for Van Persie leaving, which for 99.9% would be the same for any player. Um, he actually told RBP that he was going to be sticking around for another three years, but obviously he left at the end of that season. I mean, Do you want yeah. to add anything else on to that, Dan?
1: Yeah, well, the reason I put it as number seven, that I, the reason I found it so shocking is that Arsenal are selling their best players to their rivals. Mm. It shows it shows what their ambition is and where, where they're at. They finished 15 points behind Man United that season in fourth, which they were lucky to do, really. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if you're an Arsenal fan and you see that transfer, how demoralising is that? Yeah, but this is the
2: reason why they're in this situation. Oh, they? yeah. In yeah, exactly.
1: It's just... It's just... Incredibly bad business, isn't it, really? In 2012, they had ambitions to be challenging for the title.
0: Exactly. Madness. I bet they wished uh, Mesut Ozil's contract would come to an end very soon because he's hanging around like a bad smell at the moment. <laughs> yeah.
1: He's one yeah. player that can't
0: shift. Uh, so my number eight, I, I stumbled across this one and I found it funny, so I put it in, is, have you heard of Marius Kiara? Now go on. Now I didn't think you would have. So in 2006, Marius Kirara made the move from um, Romanian second division UAT Arad to fourth division Regal Hornia for a fee consisting entirely of sausages.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, it's not the first time a Romanian has gone for meat, but this one's slightly funnier <laughs> because humiliated by the transfer fee. QR decided to retire the day after the transfer went through rather than face up to all the stick he was going to get
2: <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant okay.
0: And then the um, the club that he was going to sign for was angry and said that they demanded the return of the transfer fee because we've lost a good player and we've also lost our team's food for a whole week and this, this lad he, he ended up moving to Spain to become a farmer Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> I found five incidences. I haven't got them to hand of players that went for like food or drink. And the <laughs> only one off the top of my head I remember was some guy in 1921 signed for Barnsley for a barrel of beer or something.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, oh, <laughs> I thought you'd like that one.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: Right. Uh, Dan, what's your number? Oh, was Van Persie number seven? Yeah, he was, yeah. Okay. Back to Chris then.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm going to pick this up off the chair. Okay. Dennis Law, 1973-74. Okay. to 74, The transfer from Man U to Man City. He actually had quite a good season there, um, to Man City. He scored on his debut. He actually took them to Wembley as well, but the lost to Wolves in the League Cup final. But I don't know if you you know, but the last but one game, Man City went to Man United. Man United were perilously close to getting relegated. They were in 19th place, and they needed to win and beat Man City to keep them up. It was nil-nil. Bulls played into the box certain Dennis Law's there, back heels it into the into the goal in the 81st minute. He was then taken off. Then in the next four minutes, so between the 81st minute, since Law scored the goal uh, to the 85th, there were a number of pitching invasions that happened. At this time, the match was abandoned, but the league kept it as a win to Man City. Dennis Law had his head in his hands, because he's actually hypothetically relegated Man United. And afterwards, he actually spoke about it, um, this was a few years ago, and he says, it was a fluke. I hadn't a clue where I was. It's not easy when you score against someone like that. It was just a sad day for everyone. I mean, that's a real sort of, only a football story that is, isn't it? You go against your old suitors, and you basically send them down, get them relegated it sort of bit
0: them a bit
2: on the back side of the end, didn't it? Yeah. Wow. So I thought I'd put a bit of a story in, in there as well.
0: Yeah, it's a good one. Pick. My number seven, I've gone for Neymar, Barcelona, the PSG. <laughs> okay. I don't know if it features on your list at all.
2: No, no, way, actually.
0: I've slotted it at number three. Okay. I mean, obviously, he went for this ridiculous amount of money, didn't he, to PSG? And I, I don't think I'm alone here in thinking that he probably went there because he wanted to win the Ballon d'Or. Yes. And he thought he'd be the, you know, the, the big number boy one. in Paris and win the Champions League with them, and get out of Messi's shadow. And fair enough to him. But uh, it's not worked out, has it, so far? I'll be honest
2: with you, I think the introduction of M. Papé has absolutely yeah, that's
0: probably, um, hindered ruined hindered for him. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, the transfer fee alone deserves a mention on this list. It was just astronomical. <laughs> I know all these Spanish clubs put these transfer fees in, they don't expect anyone to pay them. And then Paris Saint-Germain turned up and said, right, here's a cheque, we'll have him. <laughs> <laughs> it is a, a mad amount of money though,
2: isn't it? It's
1: absolutely ludicrous. £198 million. Pounds. And then, like you say, Barcelona, they didn't want to sell him. They insisted that the money has to be paid up front, in full. And even then, there was still politics around the transfer. La Liga didn't want him to go. And they rejected the payment, citing violation of financial fair play rules. And it was two weeks before the transfer was actually ratified and confirmed. But yeah, for me, that, that story ran on for ages. It was truly shocking. Um- didn't Neymar end up paying some for it himself to get the deal through? Well, the rule is that the player has to pay it themselves in La Liga. So there's just all-round confusion about it because it's not really happened before.
0: They probably still owed some money somewhere down the line. You know what these La Liga clubs are like. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: okay, so that leads us on to number six then, Dan. Okay, number six. Um,
1: and this one might not be on your list. I've gone for a player called Carlos Gamara. I'll tell you a bit about him. He was a... Uh, Paraguayan defender. Very good player. He he totally earned 110 caps for Paraguay. He was the Paraguayan footballer of the year in 97 and 98. And he made the FIFA World Cup All-Star team in 1998 as well. So he's a good player. Now, he started his career at Cerro Porteño in Paraguay in 1991. Um, He travelled to some big clubs in Europe as well. He played for Benfica, Atletico Madrid, AK Athens, Inter Milan. Also played for Corinthians, Flamengo, Palmeiras, and he decided to retire from international duty in 2006. And that season, his contract ran down with Palmeiras, and he announced that he'd be playing in Paraguay again. So it was assumed that he would be playing; he would be going back to Cerro Pateno, who was his first club, and he wouldn't leave title with them. But instead, he signed for their rivals, Olympia. And that was his—that um, was his homecoming. That was to be his final season, his last hurrah. He joined the rivals, and he helped them to win the title instead. And uh, what was particularly telling was the Cerro Pateno fans tried to burn his house down.
0: I was going to ask if he's still alive. <laughs> Barely.
1: <laughs> wow, reminds me of
2: the Ibrahimovic um, statue. Outside of that got disfigured when he um, bought in shares in the rival club, didn't he?
0: Yeah. Uh, Not good, Arrows. Go on then, Chris. Who you got for number six?
2: Right, I've got another little antidote for you. Tommy Lawton. This is a top water um, striker. He had an England record of uh, 23 appearances and 22 goals. He moved from Chelsea... Uh, who were at the time a League One team in 1947 to a Division Three team south of Knox County for 20 grand. The main reason he moved was basically money. Um, he was one of the main people that was trying to abolish the. At the time, there was a maximum wage for footballer, and that was uh, of 20 pounds. Um, There's a story that he was in the dressing room before kickoff for England, and he held up a one pound note in one hand, and a ten shilling note in the other. And he says, "There's seventy thousand people out there tonight, and that's all we're getting." So basically, like I say, move for the money. And at that time, he was the sort of like a striker, like of the Ronaldo, or Messi sort of level. The reason he moved to Northampton, County, and I would say, as well, is because he was best friends with the manager at the time. It was Arthur Stolruy, and he was also the physiotherapist at Chelsea, where he played, played at before. He spent uh, four seasons there, made 151 appearances and scored 90 goals, and then went on to move to Brantford. The sad thing was, though, that um, he actually retired by the time uh, the maximum wage was finally abolished and that was in uh,
1: 1961
0: that's a big transfer I didn't know about that story but yeah that's a very good pick so my number six I've gone with uh, Kevin Keegan Hamburg to Southampton so he, he left Liverpool for Hamburg in 1977 and during his three years there he won two European Football of the Year awards he appeared in the 1980 European Cup final. When three years was up, he could have picked anyone, uh, in, any club, basically, like the likes of Ventus and Barcelona were sniffing around him. Uh, he decided to go to Southampton, promoted to the first division. Rather odd transfer, if I'm being honest with you. I don't know why he chose Southampton. It was uh, manager's
1: influence, I think, and Yeah, he,
0: he did know the manager, didn't he? Yeah, I don't know whether he regrets it now, but hey you know. It did turn sour didn't it? he fell out with the
1: manager oh. eventually and left yeah. but no he played really well though and it was it was a real coup wasn't it getting the Ballon d'Or winner of European football of the oh,
0: yeah, Best yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. But they were a rising team weren't they I think that's probably part of the
0: attraction for Keegan yeah. um, right so that moves us on to number five then Dan
1: right number five I've gone for Mo Johnson
0: so what he played for
1: Celtic in 84 to 87 Scored 52 goals in 99 games. Then he moved to Nantes in France. Scored 22 goals in 66 games. And then he pretty much announced that he was going to be returning to Scottish football. And he said publicly the only Scottish team he'd consider returning to was Celtic. So it's just about the formalities of setting the deal. But then Graeme Souness at Rangers, the manager at the time, he uh, managed to get word to Johnston that there were better terms available for him and he had his head turned, and he ended up signing for Rangers instead of Celtic, despite making that statement in public. Uh, What I didn't know is that this was the first major signing by Rangers for an openly Catholic player, and it caused big controversy in Glasgow. There were Rangers fans who were burning their scarves and threatening to hand in tickets. The Rangers kit man, Jimmy Bell, he protested the transfer by making Johnson arrange his own kit and withholding him from any chocolate bars dispensed until he scored a goal against Celtic.
2: That is just mad, isn't it? Absolute madness.
1: Yeah. It is quite shocking.
0: Right well, then, Chris.
2: Right then, this is actually a guy you mentioned last last time, and all right, the German Barcelona wing, winger extraordinaire. Um, that's the land, yeah. He, I'll put him at my number five. Um, I'll give you a bit of um, just a bit of background with this. Back in eighty four, eighty five, I totally forgot this myself. But Terry Venables was manager of Barcelona at that time. Burn was the mega fan favourite at that time. I think Maradona was. I think Lot just left. But rifts appeared when um, Schuster's wife, Gabby, barged into the dressing room regularly to confront Venables regarding decisions. At first, there's a bit of amusement, but then it got irritated, which sort of led nicely to the 1986 Champions League final. It's a real dire affair against Sal Bucharest. And um, Byrne was actually substituted on 85 minutes he went into an absolute blind rage. So instead of just storming out um, off the pitch, he actually stormed out of the stadium and left to the team hotel. The owner at that time was a guy called Nunes. He told Venables never ever to pick him. So basically, um, Burn was was, um, ostracised and he didn't play at all during the next season. Uh, Vanderwals was sacked. They brought in a replacement, Louis Argonis, and he brought um, Burn back in as captain. Um, but unfortunately, due to their poor league position that they were they were in, that guy got sacked. He was um, replaced by Johan Cruyff, who basically deemed him surplus for requirements. So um, Burn then just found the the biggest. Um, offer. He had a few from Bundesliga and he decided to pick Real Madrid. <laughs> he then goes on to win win the title the next season. I think it says he spends three years there and then not one to be rid right of too much trying to the controversy, then decides to move to Atletico Madrid as well. <laughs> so a serial uh, mover uh, to controversy I think. Full of antidotes
0: today, you see, guys. <laughs> Very it's good. funny you mention him because my number five is the guy who stuck up for him in that mass brawl we <laughs> spoke about.
2: Ah, the guy that moved just before this happened.
0: Yeah, a certain yeah. well-known player called Diego Maradona. Yeah. Might have so, obviously, back in the 80s, he was easily one of the best players in the world. And all of a sudden... Napoli, who was a team that avoided relegation the previous season, signed him from Barcelona, and um, everyone found that a massive surprise. But he ended up uh, helping them to. There were only two league titles at the, well at the time. I think they've won one a couple since, but and he also won the Oasis Cup and the Italian Cup with them. But certainly at the time, it was a massive coup um, for Napoli because he, like I said, he was. So he's a fantastic player, even if his temper got the better of him at times. If he's on your list at all.
2: I did consider it, but um, I didn't put him on my my 10.
0: Dan, was you on the short list?
1: No, Maradona wasn't. Because Napoli, were they had a massive investment and they were building a team to compete at the highest level. So I think it was widely understood that he was being signed for big money for a big project. Fair enough. I did have a, on my short list, Schuster. Um, and also Figo and Loudrop, who made the same transfer.
2: Well, funny you said Figo because he's on my list, but I'm not going to tell you what number.
0: <laughs> All right. <laughs> Figo's on my list, but I've kind of cheated because I've kind of gone for two players in the same number In very similar <laughs> circumstances.
2: Oh, I like it.
0: So, I'll, I'll let Chris talk about Figo. Dan, let's have your number four then. All right,
1: my number four, I've gone for Claudio Caniglia.
0: He was on my yeah. shortlist.
1: Yeah, so Kanija, he was uh, he's quite a well-known player. He particularly performed on the highest stages at World Cups for Argentina. He got uh, a goal in the 1990 World Cup, which knocked Brazil out in the first knockout round. And he also got the equalising goal against Italy in the semi-final, which uh, took the game to penalties. Um, he was suspended for the final against Germany, which uh, I know Argentine fans rue rude to this day because he was the, the guy that always turned up for the big games. He was scored a couple of times in the 94 World Cup against Nigeria. He didn't play in the 98 World Cup after he fell out with the manager because he wouldn't cut his hair. (laughs) And he also had some time out for the game after his mother committed suicide in 1996. He returned to football in 99 for Atalanta, where he'd had a good spell in the early 90s. But then after his contract finished, he made the shocking move of signing for Scottish second division team, Dundee. The reason it came about is because he knew the coach, uh, Ivano Bonetti, from his time in Italy. But even so, I don't know how that guy became so persuasive all of a sudden. I don't think anyone could quite understand how that happened. But uh, he he quickly became Dundee's star player in Scottish second division. And was quickly snapped up by Rangers, the best team in Scotland at the time. Kenedja was still in his prime. He was selected for the 2002 World Cup. Uh, he didn't actually play a game, but he was famously sent off from the bench for swearing at the referee in a match against Sweden. Dirty tactics
2: yeah. by Argentinians, never
1: done. <laughs> but yeah, one of their uh, decorated stars. And uh, he signed for Dundee in the Scottish second division. Um, All
0: right then, Chris. Right
2: then.
1: I'm going with uh,
2: N'Golo Kante. Um, His move from Cannes to Leicester. I thought was quite... A, as in, it ended up being a bit of a moving half. nicknamed The Rash, I hear, as well. He signed for 9 million, obviously in the title-winning season. Was the softball the first five to six games. But then obviously was top of the charts at the end of the season for tackles. Um, he made 175 tackles, 31 more than any other player. Uh, interceptions, 156 throughout the season, 15 more than any other player. Uh, Ranieri said uh, that this is not a footballer, but a fantastic horse. He has to be free out there on the pitch and to be and to be free to move wherever he wants to, which I thought was a very interesting quote by Anieri. Um, he actually t- became French international um, during that season. Won the Euros in the summer, so it was quite a good good year for him. Which ended up obviously in a move to Chelsea. When I first heard that he was moving to Leicester, I thought he sounds half decent. He will probably break in and get get Leicester progressive and, you know a nice tidy player. But he absolutely ran the show, didn't he? He's um, unbelievable on and off the ball. But uh, yeah, I just found him more of a nice as a surprising transfer. And he would have been interested to see if he just hung on if Leicester able to hang on to him for net the following season, and what would have happened.
1: That's a different way of looking at it on this list, sort of with hindsight, isn't it?
0: I, I yeah. I can see where you're coming from. I, I kind of left off the, the hindsight ones because obviously I'll I focus more on players that were shocked at the time and moving. But yeah. It's a different way of looking at it. Uh, so my number four was Julian Faubert. So we're back to Dan again, number three. My number three was Neymar. Okay. Uh, Chris, back to you again. Wow, that's quick.
2: <laughs> okay. Um, I have gone with Sol Campbell free transfer from Spurs to to Arsenal. Um, There's obviously months of it going on where is he going to move? Is he not going to move? Goes on to TV, says he's not moving anywhere and then eventually moves, but not only to another Premier League club, but actually to probably the biggest rivals that he could actually get. And he's he sort of put, not scathing comments, um, and he's put... Um, Going to Arsenal was a big progression for me. Everything about Arsenal was better than Spurs at the time, from the players, management to the mentality of the club and the facilities. I wanted to improve myself, both as a person and a footballer. I found it wasn't a at Spurs for It just shows the guys that he knew exactly what he wanted to do and wanted to be the best as well, and that sort of mentality that nothing but the best won't do which you've got to put, pop your hat off to him, to be honest, and to move to the closest rivals or even more. He was actually offered a Spurs contract that would have put him the, the highest-paid Spurs player ever. Like I said, he did make public assurances he would stay, but that never happened. But here's a little bit, bit of a shock as well. You pretend to be a reporter on the day. You're expecting Arsenal to unveil a signing of goalkeeper Richard Wright, but instead up-pops Sol Campbell instead. I mean, what an absolute shock that would have put him And from front-back page and front-page news. But yeah, I'll put him number three because it's just the way it happened as well and just the whole going to your rivals, and they are pretty bitter rivals, and then he's ended up obviously having a fantastic career with Arsenal as well. And I still
0: think a lot of Spurs fans have probably got that bitterness about it even now. I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember he was linked with every like, Liverpool, United, Newcastle, Arsenal. And everyone's like, he won't go to Arsenal. He's a Spurs player, and then like the day came when, they you say, he got unveiled as an Arsenal player, and everyone's like, oh, hang on a minute, still there? And I, I remember yeah. that because he was sort of the first real. Kind of a big player to move to a like a big rival in the Premiership, except maybe Eric Cantona a few years earlier. But I remember some of the the racial stuff coming out yeah. at the time as well. And there was, you know, there was no need for that. It was such a big a big shock and a big transfer,
2: and for free as well. He didn't for go for any money. That was the thing as well. I think because um, Spurs at the time were thinking we got him. I know we've left it a bit late, but we've got him onto a big contract and then suddenly him going, actually, no thanks, I'll go to Arsenal. Must have been an absolute kick in the teeth to the, the board at the time. Did anyone else have him in your top ten at all? Or I, I had him uh,
1: joint,
0: joint number two.
1: I've I left him off purely because I was hoping that you guys would talk about him instead. No problem. <laughs> we did what we told. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was, it was on my short list, uh, but he's mentioned there's so many clubs that were interested in signing him. It was linked with all these different clubs. I think uh, in Sol's defence, it was widely accepted that Tottenham weren't a top team at the time, and he wanted no. to progress. So I think we all knew he was going to move. But, yeah, it was just, uh, like you say, the way it went down.
2: I think it was a perception of it all as well, isn't it? Yeah. You know, he's gone onto TV. He said, oh, I'm I'm, I'm not going to leave Spurs. I'm here for the rest. And then suddenly to move to your local rivals must have been pretty painful
0: I don't remember um, Gallas moving the other way being quite as uh, you know it had quite the same effects did it later on no. no so I've gone for um, Alan Simonson at number three I don't know if you've heard of him or you've number one. Oh, okay fair enough is he the goalkeeper by any chance a goalkeeper you're thinking of um, Simonson Steve Simmonson, aren't you? Isn't that his name? <laughs>
2: yeah, probably.
0: Very different.
2: Oh, tell me the story then.
0: I'll, uh, I'll do what I can and I'll let Dan do the rest. <laughs> um, he was at Barcelona. And he was former European Football of the Year. And obviously Maradona arrived at Barcelona. So we thought, right, my chances are going to be limited. So I'm going to move to a, another club. And he went to a second division side Charlton Athletic.
2: Oh really
0: Oh my god. So Charlton out outbid Real Madrid for this guy. They offered a whopping three hundred and twenty-four thousand pounds. And um their idea was that he, they were gonna build a team around him and Charlton would be a big team again. Anyway, it all went tits up to put it politely. He turned in a couple of good performances, but his, his colleagues were so below his caliber that after five months he went off back to Denmark.
1: I can add a bit more So um, Before he went to Barcelona He was at Munch And he won three Bundesliga titles Two UEFA Cups And uh, runner-up in the European Cup He uh, mentioned he was European Football of the Year in 1977 He was also third in the Ballon d'Or in 77 And then he moved to Charlton In 1983 and He scored nine goals in 16 games And then he moved, to, moved on to Denmark Quickly after, like you said but in that year, 1983, he was again voted third in the Ballon d'Or. So mm-hmm. the second division Charlton. Oh my God. And third in the Ballon d'Or.
0: It's unbelievable.
2: That's mad, that is. Yeah, it was Steve Simpson I was thinking of.
0: Big difference.
2: Massively by size. It's the only
0: time Steve Simpson gets a mention on this podcast. <laughs> All right, then. Uh, Dan who's number two. All right, my number two is Bebe.
2: Oh, okay. my gosh,
1: yeah. <laughs> gosh. He was
0: considered. He was considered. So
1: 2009, he's playing in a street festival for homeless people from a shelter in Bosnia. And then he's signed to a Portuguese second division team called Estrela da Amadora. Uh, after a successful spell there, being their star player, they, they had to sell because of financial issues, and he signed for Vitória de Guimarães, a top-flight Portuguese team. Played a couple of pre-season games, and Manu then paid out three million pound buyout clause and bought it before he paid a professional game for them. So yeah, apart just from some scouting reports, they splashed out on this player, and uh, over a course of four years, he played seven matches for Man United.
0: That many? I didn't yeah. think he even played that many. I didn't realize he'd been there four years. To be honest, he yeah. went on loan a few times, didn't he? He had a lot of potential, but
1: he never realized that at Man United. But yeah. he did move on from Man United, and he continued his career in Spain mostly. And he he has scored a few goals in Spain.
2: Yeah, he's been quite good, hasn't he, since his move from Man U. I think he's been in more lower end um, La Liga teams though, sort of your sort of Asasuna, I think, and ones like that, but he seems pretty good there. So it's just nice that um, he's made a
1: career for himself. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, at the time, absolutely shocking transfer. Man United, one of the, the biggest illustrious names in football, signed a guy that was homeless a year earlier. Unbelievable.
0: Yeah, yeah good pick. Chris, who's number two?
2: My number two is Alan Shearer. He's moved to Newcastle. you got to look at it. This interrupted Olympic coverage to announce the signing in, in July 1996. The BBC must have known it was important if they're going to do that with their Olympic coverage. Obviously, at that time, 15 million was a new transfer record, new world transfer record signing as well. There's this whole thing with Man United, wasn't it? And how Newcastle outbid them. But there is talk that Alan Shearer actually turned down uh, Man United. And Jack Walker didn't want Alan Shearer to move to Man United, basically because he thought that Man U were more of a threat title-wise than Newcastle. So he, he allowed the transfer for a Newcastle to go through, but no way would he allow him to join Fergie. Do you know who, here's a bit of a quiz question, just in the middle of this, but do you know who Fergie signed
0: instead for Man U? The Dublin? No. Um, I don't
2: know, or someone. No, it's Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. Oh, okay. I mean, to be fair, he was looking for title wins, wasn't he, for his hometown club and Premier League domination. Unfortunately, never got that with, with Newcastle. He actually got back-to-back um, FA Cup finals, 1998 and he reached um, Champions League three times as well, which I was quite surprised about. So he didn't um, really <laughs> Not really, but I thought he did a lot less than what was actually put there. I didn't know that he reached the Champions League three times. Out of 404 appearances, he got 206 goals, obviously surpassing Sir Jackie Milburn's record at the time. i just put it because he, at that time it was a massive deal, wasn't it? And that he decided to put one over sort of at the time on the big, the big boys and he decided to go to his hometown club. Obviously it didn't end up the way he wanted it, really. He didn't win the... Number of titles, but I just put him at number two just for the shock value. Really, I think
0: a lot of people didn't really see that coming. I think it depends what what you read and who you hear, because you know, I I swear I've heard Shearer saying he was never on the cards to go to Man United. It was always Newcastle, and then I'm sure someone at Man United has come out and said, "Well, yeah, we definitely had him." And Liverpool said they got turned down for him. And
2: it's something we'll never know. Yeah, it's one of
0: those couple stories, isn't it? That. Yeah,
2: case, it's, it's, it's Premier League folklore, isn't it? You know, you hear stories. You know, Fergie invited him to his house and then the next day he called up Fergie and told him, no, he's moving to Newcastle. And then he got a tirade from Fergie on the phone. Phil Thompson never,
0: reckons that he was trying to angle a move to Liverpool so the yeah. Man and I can come in for him. And
2: You just never know, do you? Uh, so it was, it was, that's a surprising transfer for me.
0: Fair enough. My number two, I had Sol Campbell slash Louis Figo because I couldn't decide between two of them because it was basically yeah. a move to a major rival.
2: Yeah,
0: um, I'm guessing you've got Louis Figo at number one then, Chris. Sure, mate.
2: Yeah, uh, I'll let Do, you talk sure. about Louis
0: Figo. Yeah, um, Dan, who's your number one? Simonson. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. So come on then, Chris. Let's have okay. a bit of Figo.
2: I mean, the soul is pretty mental, isn't it? I mean, so it all starts with, obviously, this Perez guy wanting to become president of Real Madrid, isn't he? So he comes up with a plan to try and get his presidency um, by saying that Luis Figo is going to join him. Am I right in saying that he was good friends with, with Figo's agents at the time, and there was some money, so, yeah. there was some, basically some money passed over, and I mean, it's just, it's just mad, because Perez says if he won the election, then Figuez was to join. He was going to get get some money. Perez lost. Figuez was going to get €1 million euros anyway. Um, but obviously, he won the election. The election was in front of 83,000 members, which I found was quite amazing. They, they somehow then wrestled up the money to trigger the €62 million Euro release force for him from Barcelona and tempted him over. Um, But then that's just the beginning, really, because Figo then goes and says on the media for leaving that he felt he had a lack of uh, recognition within the club and was, um, was the main motivation for him to move. And then he joined a a campaign for a nationwide merchant ban that says change is always good if it's for the better uh, and this is even before the first match against barcelona at the new camp which i nicely go on to now the fans at the the new camp were shouting die figo canal plus who were recording the match so the noise Levels were higher than most nightclubs around the world at that time. Thousands of white handkerchiefs were um, flouted in the wind at the time. Obviously, that's a practice um, borrowed in bullfighting for the matador to get hurt and basically for Vigo to die in this case. Um, And that's before the match even started. Um, there's a famous um, time here, I don't know if you've not seen the images for it, where Figo was going to take a corner and somebody threw a pig's head at him. Yeah,
0: yeah. I don't know how they got that in the stadium.
2: God knows. But then they were sending missiles, so that included coins, mobile phones, half bricks, bike chains... Cigarette I mean, lighters, weren't they? Cigarette yeah. It's just absolute carnage. And I've never seen anything or heard of anything so spiteful in the whole of my life over one player than that. And that's why I just put him at number one, because obviously he incited it a little bit himself by doing these little things on the side. But just just absolute madness. I mean, can you add anything more onto it, Anne?
0: No, I, I, to be honest with you, mate, I think you've covered everything that I had now. That's why I couldn't decide between him and Sol Campbell. Because obviously, I mean, Figo was perhaps a bit more dramatic, but it's just two players moved to two of the biggest rivals and the, absolute, yeah. like, the hatred involved. Yeah. Unbelievable.
2: I mean, I, th- I still think now that a lot of people still have got a bit of that hatred. The Barcelona fans have still got hatred because... I was reading even two years after they were still campaigning against him, but by that time, obviously, Real had their Galacticos mm-hmm. under Perez, and that's what he he was sort of selling, wasn't he? That idea that he pumped yeah, in all that money. First
0: times, it, Really?
2: Yeah. That, he was the starting block, and then obviously followed them um, was Zidane and Beckham. Beckham, yeah. And that's how that's how it all started, and. To be honest, business-wise, yeah, probably a lot of dodginess going along with that. But he's obviously made what he made of it, didn't he? The the chairman and Figo took what he took, and he he's he won the one leagues with uh, Real just as much as he did with Barca. So fair play to him.
0: Yeah, fair enough. So my number one, I had the. Uh... 2006 surprise of Carlos Tevez and Mascherano going to West Ham. Um, I mean, you know, they were these two players from South America. Everyone thought they were the next big thing and everyone was linked to them. Liverpool and Man United asked all that and it turns out no one wanted them at the time because of prices or whatever agents. And so they got offered to West Ham and West Ham took them. And uh, uh, funnily enough, I read an article, I think it was today, yesterday, Alan Pardew said that summer. He turned around to his chairman and said, all I want is James Milner. Get me James Milner, we'll be all right. And the chairman said, well, how about these two South Americans? And he's like, well, all right then, if we have to have them. And then, yeah, they came to West Ham and Masquerano didn't really do much. Um, obviously, Tevez scored that famous goal, that put Sheffield United down. And then they, and then West Ham were found guilty to have broken league rules and were fined and all got settled out of court with Sheffield United so that's why I put it at number one because of the amount of controversy surrounding it. No one saw it coming in 2006. West yeah. Ham, we're going to get these two.
2: Was it something about that they were bought by some sort of company and that there was some um, sort of links uh, with West Ham? Yeah. Something
0: yeah. Like that. It, was all, it was all dodgy right from the off.
2: But obviously, Carlos Tevez was never one to uh, stray away from controversy, was he? <laughs> Because I considered him for the Man, Man United, uh, Man City move, actually. Yeah. That he made. Oh,
0: yeah, that, that's another. Yeah, yeah. Again, mm-hmm. apparently he was unfit at West Ham. Apparently, all West Ham players so this, this lad can't even run. He can finish. Though.
2: <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> wow, what an incredible list of people! I think we've come up with. To be
0: honest, I think we could have put up with another
2: thirty on
0: Well, I think down another thirty alone. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I could have put a lot more on. Anyone you Any... want to quickly mention? Uh, just uh, just one or two. Uh,
1: Martin Braithwaite. blocked at Middlesbrough, moved to Legan to try and rebuild his career, and then suddenly Barcelona snapped him up for £19 million. And uh, not only that, they inserted a £300 million release clause into his contract. I did not see that coming.
0: I'll just take that out of my quiz because that was one of the questions as to which club he went to. (laughs) Okay. Thanks for that.
1: (laughs) Quickly think of another one, mate, if you can. Or just give me the point. I thought you knew the answer.
0: Uh, It doesn't work like that. (laughs) Uh,
1: Another one on my shortlist, Colin Kazim Richards. Oh, yeah. Fenerbahce to Galatasaray.
2: That was a brave move, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. Uh, I've put also Paul Pogba. It's, it just seems like an interesting transfer policy that you let a player go for free and then buy him back for 90 million.
2: Ask <laughs> Chelsea about that, mate. I'm sure they're not.
1: <laughs> the only other one that um, I, I wasn't allowed to put on my list was John Mark Bosman. Oh, yeah. I didn't say you weren't allowed. <laughs> <guess you> <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, the only mentionable ones that you've already mentioned.
2: Vigo's having to operate even more attacking me now. He really hits that one.
1: Oh, that is just sensational from Luis Vigo. Seaman just stood and watched it, and it flew in. Alberto Cuero is off the bench and applauding. That was a
2: fantastic strike to run out, Adams didn't close him down it came almost between Adams' leg and it absolutely rocketed in and there's a gap here, Nuno Gomez that's 3-2 Portugal and they have come back big style 2-0 down, 3-2 up
0: now and it's Nuno Gomez Time now for the good, the bad and the obscure uh, this week I've gone for a player you've probably heard of Marco Boogers.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. It's West Ham.
0: Yeah. I'd say I'd put him in the bad category, I think. <laughs> uh, so he arrived at West Ham in the summer of 95 from Sparta Rotterdam. Uh, he'd been quite decent in the Dutch League. And apparently Harry Redknapp had never seen him play live. Um, he'd only seen him on video, which wasn't actually that uncommon back then. So he's, his first... Appearance of West Ham. Not much really happened, but it was his second appearance against Manchester United a few days later, where he absolutely clattered poor old Gary Neville, got a red card, given a four-match ban. Um, however, all this media attention affected Mr. Boogers, and he promptly fled off to back back to Holland to get away from it all. And it suddenly became one of the strangest stories in football. Newspapers suddenly calling him Barmy Boogers and that he'd gone off to live in a caravan tonight. <laughs> um, anyway, all these sources at West Ham said, no, 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 I don't know where you got this from. And then years later, it turns out that the West Ham PA and travel organiser admitted that he'd been interviewed by a journalist and uh, after this game. And he'd, he'd said, he's probably gone back to Holland by car again. And the journalist misheard him and said, I thought he'd said, caravan. That's where this entire silly story came from um, he eventually came back to West Ham uh, he then got shipped off and loaned to Groningen uh, he went and played for a few other minor Dutch teams and he, he he has since been labelled by Harry Redknapp as his worst ever player that he signed <laughs> uh, so I had to put him in he's not as obscure as Dan's but it's, it's the best I've come up with <laughs> that's, no, the-
1: that's a
2: good one mate to be honest yeah. I think Dan set it too high. You I think he Yeah, he probably it did. I,
0: else. I have got another one that, that you'll have to wait three weeks for, which is quite interesting.
2: Oh!
0: But again, you would have heard of it. No, I like
2: it, mate.
0: change from a centre forward really he's not an aggressive player right then you got your uh, brain cells ready for quiz uh, hopefully yeah <laughs> right uh, what's the scores on the doors at the moment is it 4-3-1 yes right okay so I've got 15 questions okay So, question number one, fingers on the buzzers. Who is the only player born before 1960 to score a Premier League hat-trick?
1: Mark Walters.
0: Ian Rush. I'll give you a clue. He's Scottish. Brian McLean. No. Gary McAllister. No. (laughs) Probably the same era. Same team, same era. Yes, well done, Chris. (laughs) 1-0. Okay, question number two. Who won the first Ballon d'Or?
1: Stan Mortensen?
0: No. Stanley Matthews? Yes, well done, Dan. Stanley Matthews in 1956. Okay, so this is another one of those ones where um, you're going to tell me how many you can guess and yeah. then I'm going to hold you to it. Yeah. yeah. Since, two, since the year 2000, how many FA Cup runner-ups can you name? I'm going to ask Dan first. Three. Okay, Chris, can you better Three.
2: Four, yeah, I go
0: four. Okay, Dan, do you think you can rustle off any more, or are you going to give Chris let Chris do it? Uh,
1: I'll go five. Oh, Chris, over to
0: you.
2: I'll let him name them. I think.
0: Gone and Dan, Chelsea. Yes. West Ham. Yes. Um... Everton? Yes. Man City? Yes. Paul City? Yes. It's five. Well done. Damn. You could have also had Villa, Arsenal, Southampton, Millwall, Man United, Cardiff, Portsmouth, Stoke, Liverpool, Palace, and Watford. Right, I'm going to come to you first this time, Chris. Same deal. Okay. Um, yeah. Since 2000, how many League Cup runners up can you name? Oh,
2: gosh. Yeah. No one wants that League Cup, do they? <laughs> um, going for...
0: Four, okay. Dan, any advance on four? Five. Four. Chris, you're going to push it to Six.
2: I'm going far with this one going down <laughs> <laughs> you don't learn your lesson <laughs> uh, no 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 I think I, I think I
1: feel quite comfortable with, with you doing this one okay Bradford. Uh, yes uh, Aston Villa
0: uh, this season <laughs> yes uh, Bolton Yes. Tranmere. Yeah. One more.
1: Well, I'm just going to take a stab. Chelsea.
0: Yes. <laughs> well done again. The other ones you could have had were Birmingham, Spurs, United, Liverpool, Wigan, Arsenal, Cardiff, Sunderland, Southampton.
2: Well done, you need to start
0: gambling, Chris. Come on, Chris.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay,
0: fingers on the buzzers then. What new record did Palace achieve this season?
2: Most games without a home
0: goal. No. Oh, uh, not no. having a shot in the box. Though, to be fair, that probably is another one. Uh, did they not score for a set piece?
1: Congratulations. think dates the latest ever Premier League goal of the season no
0: give up I, I give up apparently they were the first team to win on the 29th of February
2: oh. uh, that's, that's a good one. one that's a good one good
0: yeah. okay Question number six. How many managers were sacked during the nineteen twenty season in the Premier League? Six? No. Ten? No. Seven? <laughs> yeah, well done, Dan.
1: Uh,
0: Garcia, Sanchez, Flores, Emre, Potocino, Pearson, Silva, Pellegrini. Okay, question seven: Who was the first person involved in English football to contract coronavirus? Arteta. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Chris, your five on down, mate.
1: Uh, I know.
2: I know. Do the firebacks on. Fireback will be on.
0: (laughs) Okay, let's see if you start this one. Who scored the first Premier League goal back after the restart?
1: Ben Chilwell. No.
0: Raheem
2: Sterling, yeah. Andy Norwood, really? That (laughs) goal, flash counted. Yeah. (laughs) Against Sevilla.
0: Porto's first goal scorer following the restart was an aptly named player. What was his name? Hey, well done. Back in it, six-two. Okay, question number ten. Uh, which team used to play at the Vetch Field? Swansea. Yeah, well done, Dan. Wow, well done. Uh, question 11. Who used to play at the baseball ground? Derby. Dan, Derby. Dan's got there. <laughs> oh. Which team plays at the Keep Moat Stadium?
2: Rotterdam? No.
0: Not far off. Um...
2: Brentford, no. Huddersfield Town, no. Rochdale,
0: no. Oldham, no. Any clues? Um. Well, I gave you one when you said Rotherham. I said they're not far off. Yeah.
2: Obviously, it's somewhere in that area. Barnsley,
0: no. no. Doncaster. Yes, you? well done, Chris. Okay, so You're north- just being nice there, Dan. i going to go. <laughs> Normally, we do player careers. I thought for change, we do manager careers. So Ipswich, Hibernian, West Bromwich, Celtic,
1: George Burley, Middles-
0: no, Middlesbrough. Coventry Blackburn
2: Brian Robson No Gordon Strachan is it
0: No Tony Mowbray. Yes well done uh, OK next one Gainsborough Trinity Burton Scarborough Notts County Torquay Huddersfield Plymouth, Oldham, Berry, Sheffield United,
1: New Palace. Wales.
0: Yeah, well done. Who said that? Was that you, Dan?
1: Yeah.
0: All right. And then last one. Watford, Swansea, Millwall, Wolves, Rotherham, Portsmouth.
2: Alan no, Ball stumped.
0: Who? Alan Ball? No, no don't
1: know.
0: Chris? <laughs> oh, Dan's one, so, uh, Kenny Jacket.
2: Ah, oh. oh, yeah
0: and so the scores were 1 2 three, four, five, six, five, 9
2: 4
0: 9 4 Ooh. two questions both you didn't get heavy,
2: heavy loss
0: so that puts Dan yeah. up to 5 me on three and chris on one you need oh, to start nice. gambling chris variation
2: is minimum <laughs>
1: It, wouldn't have worked it still in Boston, i still the oh, I don't know, Chris. I think you would have beat me on that. Uh, Runners up on the League uh...
0: <laughs> Right, then. Uh, that concludes yeah, this week's um, podcast. As usual, if you've got any questions, send them over to the um, email addresses Chris has provided. And uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye. Bye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.